0: Um, so we'll continue. The session probably won't take the entire time, <coughs> but <coughs> um, we're on talk we're talking about companionship. <coughs> and we're covering the different um hikams. Uh from, from this chapter. Um the one that we s- covered at the end of the last session was um, was the do not keep company with anyone whose state does not improve inspire you and whose speech does not lead you to Allah. The next one, (coughs) Ibn Atayullah ﷺ says, (coughs) رُبَّمَا كُنْتَ مُسِيئًا فَأَرَاكَ الْإِحْسَانَ مِنْكَ صُحْبَتُكَ صُحْبَتُكَ مَنْ هُوَ أَسْوَأُ حَالًا مِنْكَ You might be in a bad state, then you're associating with one who is in a worse state, makes you see virtue in yourself. I'll, I'll just read it again. You might be in a bad state, then your associating with one who is in a worse state makes you see virtue in yourself. So what he's essentially highlighting here, we talked about the importance of having company that inspires us, And he's highlighting here that um, sometimes what happens is that um, the reality of our state isn't great, our spiritual state. Um, But we don't see it because the people that we surround ourselves with are in a much worse state than we're in. And if that's the environment that's around us, we're obviously going to look better when we look at ourselves. Um, This applies um, in, in, in so many levels. Right? Like, um if I w- friendship, if I have a group of friends and I'm the only one that's making it to the Masjid for Isha at night, um, I begin to pat myself on the back saying, Look, I'm in a great state. Um but then if I see that well, well there's actually people that are coming here five times a day, relatively speaking I'm not in a good state. Not everyone's judged according to their circumstance, but I'm just saying it depends on a person's environment and surroundings right we're going to we're always going to um, think of ourselves in a uh, uh, as if we're accomplishing something good uh, but we should always be mindful of the circumstances around and if that's maybe influencing uh, or biasing our perspective of ourselves so Sheikh uh, Abdullah Gangohi he provides commentary on this and he says It's incumbent on the believer to acquire the companionship of a person better than himself. This is kind of ties into the prior session, but he's reminding us. It's incumbent on the believer to acquire the companionship of a person better than himself. Look, if um, I—this is funny because uh, it applies, I think, also to us in our workplace. If we are at an institution or at an employer um, and you see that the people around you are all excelling in what they're doing— It inspires us to want to become better, and we we look at ourselves and say, "Wow, I'm 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 definitely not where I need to be." And and comparatively speaking, I'm not in a great state. Um, But let's say I'm uh, working uh, at a place where everyone's slacking, and the quality of the work is terrible. Um, It's not going to inspire me to excel and succeed. In fact, I'm going to look around and say, "Wow, the top I'm the top person here. This is great." Even though I'm the exact you know, you take me and you transplant me from a from this institution, which is a poor poor performance institution and put me in a high performance institution same person going from here to here right your perspective of yourself changes d- d- incredibly you know um, I, I've noticed this you know um, in my own life and I've seen this in the lives of other people as well um, when uh, I used to be part of just my local community, you know, at the time, there were not many youth that would come to the masjid and be involved. And I was like, wow, I must, be, I must be something. I must be in a good state. And then take myself and then transplant myself to the gatherings of my teachers. And then all of a sudden, you see all these people that are in a similar situation as me, but they're striving far more than I am. And it's like, I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do. So he says, It is incumbent on the believer to acquire the companionship of a person better than himself. In such company, you will see your own faults and you will become concerned with your moral and spiritual reformation. Look, again, if I'm in the company of people who are striving to become closer to Allah, uh, then I myself am going to inspire myself to do the same. And if I'm in the company of people who don't care about Allah, then I'm not going to be inspired to elevate myself either. In fact, I'm going to think that I'm in a comfortable state where I stand right now. I'm in a comfortable state where I stand right now. You know, sometimes we see, you know, you can apply this to any situation that you find yourself in. You go to a very developed community where there's all these opportunities and you're thriving. And you're like, man, everyone's really elevating themselves. I really need to bump myself up. Then I go into some rural town and some small masjid and, like, people are barely know, you know, uh, their basic alif, ba, and ta, and tha. And you're, like, reading Quran fluent. And you're like, wow, look what I've done. So... Um, In such company, you will see your own faults and you will become concerned with your moral and spiritual reformation. This drives me. Like this retreat, it drives us to want to do more because we see that there are other people in this gathering that are doing more. And maybe I don't see this in my own local community. And maybe I don't see this in my local message. Maybe I don't see this in the local friends circle that I have. This type of gathering drives me to do more. On the other hand, if you sit in the company of a man worse than yourself, its necessary consequence will be that, despite your evil, you will regard yourself to be pious. You will regard yourself to be pious. And, and this is why the scholars of the past would say, um, uh, you know, نفسي, that a person always analogizes with himself. What does that mean? Like, I generally feel like I set the bar here. If someone's doing more than me, um, then uh, they're doing too much. If someone's doing less than me, they're doing too little. Where, where I am, I'm the, the, the prototype of, of what it is to be a Muslim. The, uh, so the point of reference really does matter. We think of ourselves as this prototype. So, so it's important for us to, to concern ourselves with the company that we surround ourselves with. When I sit in the company of unama, I'm extremely humbled. I literally think I know nothing. But you sit in the company of people who know nothing and you feel like you know everything. right? I mean, I'm, this applies to, to all of us. On the other hand, if you sit in the company of a man worse than yourself, man, person, whoever, its necessary consequence will be that, despite your evil, you will regard yourself to be pious. You will most certainly gain the impression that you are better than him. Thus, your own deficiencies will not become discernible. Will not become discernible. So I'm talking about deeds, but let's put this in the context of, of, um, of sin as well, right? I mean, if my friends or my social circles, the people I interact with, etc., are people who are involved in significant sins, and I'm only at the minor sin level, right, from the fiqhi definition, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, well, at least I'm not where they are, right? But now if I'm at the minor sin state and I'm around people who don't commit sin or instead they're striving toward the sunnah, I'm going to begin to see, whoa, I didn't realize that there's a better reality out there than what I've decided to choose for myself. So, um, you will most certainly gain the impression that you are better than him. Thus, your own deficiencies will not become discernible. You will be overtaken by vanity and pleased with yourself. So this is a challenge for all of us, and that's the the conclusion of this one. It's a challenge for all of us to uh, place ourselves into environments that inspire us toward being better. This applies academically for ourselves, So, for instance, um, you know, if if I have the opportunity to be around those that are academically striving, it's going to encourage me to be better in that way. If I'm around people who have a routine and have structure in their life and are accomplishing good things, it's going to also put me in that setting. If I'm a researcher and I'm in a lab and the productivity rates uh, and I'll I'll, give time, uh, the productivity rate is is low for that lab. It's going to have an effect on me, and I'm going to think I'm better than I really am. But now if I take myself and I put myself in a more productive environment, it's going to inspire me to be like those people that are above me as well. Um, Now, from a Dini perspective as well, I should be mindful of this because ultimately I need a mirror to be able to look at myself and see where my deficiencies lie. And if I'm constantly seeing praise because anyone else I'm interacting with is just reminding me of how glorious and glamorous I am, that's a problem. That's the problem. And this is the benefit of having a teacher. Like, no matter who I interact with, you know, no matter what I do, I always go back, and that becomes my frame of reference. That, well, this person's doing a lot more than I am, indeed. And I have a lot of work to do. This person, you know, and not just a teacher. Even the people that come to the front row of the masjid, and they're there consistently, I mean, we should, what's your secret? Maybe I need to spend a little bit more time with you, because you're always there. What's driving you to this, right? Um... Um, so th- this is, this is, an, this is uh, an important consideration for us to make. It is uh, really important that the people that we surround ourselves with, uh, we should recognize that they help determine uh, what our success rate is going to be uh, because that becomes our own frame of reference. Okay, we'll cover one more, um, inshallah, and then we'll um, take some questions and then we'll probably conclude, conclude for the evening. <clears throat> the next one. Ma Sahibaka Illa mansahibaka Wahua Bi aibika Alayhi uhwa bi Aibika Adimun. Waleisa dalika illa maulak al karim. Hai run mantos habu manyat dubu kalak lali shain ya minka ilaihi. No one is a companion of yours, except the one who, while knowing your defect defects, is your companion, like remains your companion. And that is only going to be your generous Lord, Allah. The best one to take on as a companion is he who does not seek you out for the sake of something, something coming from you to him. So we're talking about companionship, but now what Ibn Atah is going to highlight to us is we talked about good company, we talked about surrounding yourself, people that inspire you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But let's just take a step back here. Remember, don't look at the pixels; Look at the big picture. The ultimate companion is going to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's who we should co- make our closest friend. So he says, no one is a companion, like a real companion of yours, except for the one who, while knowing your defects, is your companion. In spite of knowing your flaws, is your companion. And that is only you're going to be your generous Allah. The best one to take on as a companion is he who does not seek you out for the sake of something coming from you to him. Okay, so we'll go over this um, in a little bit of detail. So he says, Shaykh uh, Abdullah <laughs> Gunguhi says, The friendship of worldly people is generally fickle. When they discover one's faults, they sever ties and develop a dislike for the former friend. This is a general principle. Of course, there's exceptions to the rule. But as a general principle, when people um, see how flawed we are from the inside, um, they tend to disconnect from us. In fact, this is the reason that we hide things from people. And we say to ourselves, well, if this person knew this about me, they would, they would stop hanging out with me. They would stop being with me, right? Uh, maybe it's a skeleton in the closet. Maybe it's something else. We don't want to fully reveal ourselves to people because of this worry that perhaps they will uh, what was the, unfriend us, right? It's a, it's a real possibility. So he says, when they discover one's faults, they sever ties and develop a dislike for the former friend. But, but, the creator, capital C, creator, maintains his relationship with his servants despite being aware of their innumerable deficiencies. The, a friend may cut their relationship off from you because of some flaw or some deficiency that you have that they've uncovered. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need to uncover any flaw. He's aware of all of our deficiencies. It's not like these suddenly become apparent to him. In fact, in ma wa ma The Quran, Allah Ta'ala knows what lies deep within our hearts. He knows what lies within our physical spaces, what lies within our minds, what lies within our homes. He is in more he has a deeper understanding of this than what we have of ourselves. Nothing needs to be uncovered for him. And despite him knowing all of this about us, he hasn't cut his tie off from us. Think about that. Any other friend would have let us go. But Allah Ta'ala, he hasn't. He's maintained his relationship with his servants despite being aware of their innumerable deficiencies. Only he, capital He, only he should be one's true companion. For this this whole reason. I mean... A a true, true friend is someone who, through thick and thin, in spite of your flaws and mistakes and deficiencies uh, and your weaknesses, stays with you throughout. But it's really hard to find a friend like that. And in fact, Ibn Atayla says, these people don't exist. They really knew the thoughts that went through our mind, the ideas that go through our our heart, uh, what our real motivations are, the sins that we sort of perform, the actions and the character that we sort of try to hide from others, they would, they would unfriend us. But Allah Ta'ala will not, in spite of knowing all of this, only He should be one's true companion, for despite having full knowledge of the faults of His servants, capital H, His servants, He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is always there for people to turn to. That's powerful. Um, that I could live in this sort of state of misery, full of flaws, full of sins, full of mistakes, full of disobedience toward Allah, full of poor character. And yet, when it's time for me to turn to Allah in need or to pray to Him or to recite His book, He's just ready to witness it for us. And that's incredible. Uh, Which companion or friend are you and I going to find in this world that would do that to us? I mean, our, our own spouse wouldn't do that. You know, if uh, if if our wives or our children knew uh, our history, what goes through our minds, what the thoughts that go. through, I mean, good luck, right? But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's, um, his uh, his love for the believers is just, just too strong for us to comprehend. So He should be our one true companion, irrespective. And in fact, you know, the people of the past, if they had Allah with them. They didn't need anything more. Like th- it, it fulfilled their need for social for, for, for a relationship, was there Allah? Ibn Taymiyyah uh, would say that when he was wrongfully imprisoned for many years, that state of seclusion was so um, dear to him, he didn't he didn't even want to leave. Because that was his time to be with Allah, his one true companion. So he continues. Those servants of Allah who have cultivated in themselves states of excellence also maintain their relationship with a person after discovering their defects. So now he's saying, now the commentator is saying, Ibn Ata'illah is saying, one true companion is Allah. The commentator is saying that there are some additional people that kind of come close to this. Those servants of Allah who have cultivated in themselves states of excellence, they've attained the state of ihsan, they also maintain their relationship with a person after discovering their defects, right? This is like the the Mashiach of our time. They know our weaknesses, um, but they're still maintaining their relationship with us, our teachers, our our imams, things like along those lines, or people along those lines. They will conceal even the greatest sin that they see in their associates. They do not sever their relationship. Thus, a man should establish his relationship with his Lord or with those who are linked to his Lord. A person who is a person of ihsan and has taqwa in their heart and has a deep desire to please Allah by, by caring for the spiritual needs of others is also someone who's going to be willing to look past uh, these flaws and deficiencies. right? Um, and, uh, uh, and that's important. And that's important. And these people sort of exist in the world. So then he says, um, because the, the concluding sec- like sentence of this uh, Hikam was, the best one to ta- I'm reading not the commentary, I'm going back to the translation, the best one to take on as a companion is he who does not seek you out for the sake of something coming from you to him. In most relationships, in many relationships, there's a, it's kind of a two-way thing. You give me something, I'll give you something back. Right. If you get married, and you tell your wife, I don't plan to lift a finger for the next 30 years, you're going to earn, you're going to cook, you're going to clean, you're going to raise the children, and I'm literally just going to sit here. Good luck. Our relationship's over. I mean, in every really, a friend, if you have a friend, I mean, we call, what do you call this in, in biology? It's like a parasite, right? Like, you just leech off someone and you yourself make zero contribution. A parasitic relationship th- doesn't really work in the human world, at least. Uh, those ties are cut off pretty quickly, whether it's a, I mean, the closest maybe will be a, an early child to a parent, maybe can be a parasite, but once that child's 17, 18, uh, you're expected to take the trash out and do the dishes because you got to pay your dues. You're not, this is, this is a give, you give some, I'll give some, and we'll make this relationship work. That's how relationships work. Um, um, but with Allah, what exactly are we giving? I mean, what contribution are we making to Allah. Whether I worship him or not, it's not increasing his rank. Whether I give sadaqah and I take care of uh, his those that are in need of his servants, it's not changing him. If I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. He'll make some. He'll find some other way. I mean, he'll have. A, he has a different way to make this happen. So, I mean, tell me what exact what contribution am I making in my relationship with Allah? And in this sort of a relationship in this world, everyone else would cut their tie off from us. But when it comes to Allah, we constantly take, 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 take. We never give. And those things that we apparently give are not actually changing or elevating Allah in any way or benefiting Allah in any way. So how is this relationship still maintained? How is that even possible? Your best friend, So the commentary of this portion. Your best friend is a person who strives for your welfare without having any motive of self-gain for himself. Right? That's, that's, that's um, a best friend. Righteous Muslims also desire good for people, even their enemies. They do not cherish any hope for personal gain because their hearts have been completely purified of egotistic motives. Their relationship with people is purely for the sake of Allah. So, yes, Allah Ta'ala is only, the only one true friend who we can totally take from and never give back. In the sense of give back for the benefit of Allah. We give back out of appreciation, we give back, but that's not benefiting Allah. So that's the one true friend. Allah Ta'ala does not disconnect from us despite knowing our deficiencies and flaws. And Shaykh Abdullah is mentioning that there are some people in this world that are like this as well, that sort of take this idea that for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, I'm going to try to help other people in spite of their flaws and their deficiencies. And I'm going to take this responsibility on my shoulders because people are in need. They do not cherish any hope for personal gain because their hearts have been completely purified of egotistic motives. Like, um, they're not looking to take. Like, I mean, it's hard. This is a hard state to be in uh, because uh, it's a hard state to try to achieve that I'm not going to expect anything from you. My sole purpose is to try to help you and guide you and take care of you. I mean, the Mashaikh have done this, but it's, it's a difficult state to achieve. Their relationship with people is purely for the sake of Allah. It is essential then to establish a bond with the righteous and to abandon all other friendships that are based on lowly motives. Right? So, I mean, it's just something to think about. Um, uh, You know, when I look at um, the relationships that I have with my teachers and my sheikh and things like this, uh, I, I just don't see an ulterior motive from them and uh that's very special that's very special in this day and age to say that you know so and so they genuinely care about your welfare their your well-being in terms of deen and, and spirituality and things like that it's hard to find that i mean in the workplace it's, you're not going to find it you see society not really i mean you know i, I care about you but depends on what you're it a, there's a but there's a but to that right um so Sheikh abdullah is mentioning that that the mashayikh are like this, the true mashayikh who have achieved all son. For the sake of Allah Ta'ala, they give their time, they sacrifice their effort, they sacrifice their energy, they give back toward the deen simply because they have a love for Allah in their heart and they try to allow this benefit to reach others as well. But bear in mind that even they are never going to be able to provide for us the companionship that Allah can provide for us. You know, as much as it's helpful to have a shaykh and a guide and a teacher um, Allah Ta'ala is still sufficient for us. Allah Ta'ala is still sufficient for us. We st- if we have Allah and we don't have anything else, that's all we need. Allah Ta'ala is sufficient for every single believer um, and we need, to be, we need to be fully comfortable and content with that. So with that, inshallah, I'm going to conclude uh, this. We'll open it up to some questions, uh, maybe for about 10 minutes or so, and then um, we'll hopefully wrap things up for the night, inshallah. Um, so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to appreciate the reality of true companionship. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to give more toward our relationships with others rather than take. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, uh, allow us to uh, find company that inspires us to uh, increasing and elevating ourselves and uh, separate us from company that makes us uh, f- feel a sense of elevation about ourselves. Wa da'wana alhamdulillah. rabbil so we could just take questions for a couple of minutes, inshallah, for a few minutes, inshallah. I know that everyone's kind of tired, and then we can um, sort of proceed toward uh, the next uh, part of the schedule, which is to set up for, for rest, inshallah. Um, the question is about just um, how I see myself um, and my current state. Uh, there's different layers to this. I think one layer is um, when I'm comparing myself to my Allah and my worship of Allah, I should always see myself as deficient. For Put people aside for a moment. I will never, we talked about this earlier today, I will never be able to um, alleviate the debt that has been placed on my shoulders by Allah. So in that, I'm always going to feel deficient. Um, in terms of my state otherwise, it's important to appreciate and do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for where I do find myself. So the fact that I'm praying, I should be grateful to Allah ta'ala that I'm able to pray. That, and I should be um, uh, content with that aspect. I should be, uh, I should be grateful to, for it and I should acknowledge that, yes, in this day and age, that is something that's a big deal. Uh, and I should be proud of it, right? I mean, if I, in general, of my successes, I should be proud of successes that I achieve in deen because the alternative is, I'm 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 drowning in sin. I'm not supposed to be proud of that. So if I can be, if I it's completely acceptable to be proud of oneself when it comes to one's deeds because of the possibility of a much worse situation. But I should attribute that and do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa taala for allowing me to be in that state. So we're not supposed to be self-deprecating. We're not supposed to just think that um, you know I'm never going to accomplish anything. Uh, the general idea is that um, there's always more to do, and there's always more to accomplish. Alhamdulillah for what i 've been able to do so far it 's a blessing of Allah and I 'm not going to be ungrateful for Allah to Allah Ta'ala um, because you know i 'm never going to be content with anything. I am going to be grateful for it, but I should also appreciate at the same time that I can always continue to improve and continue to do more it 's a balance it 's a balance. so we 'll uh, conclude inshallah. Um, and uh, we can try to get uh, some rest a little bit earlier May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept the gathering and put barakah in it May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, allow us all to have a restful sleep May Allah ta'ala wake us up early to uh, be able to raise his great name once again <coughs>